You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Great, great stuff, as always. Again, you're going to have another big game weekend, college football weekend set to crank up. Need to go ahead and get those game weekend treats. They got them. Anything you could like in chocolate, they've got you covered there at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined, as always, on the program by executive producer Joe Gaither, who together we combine to form the 60-minute boom of Sports Talk Radio. We got us a busy, busy hump day, Joe Gaither. Yes, we do, and I'm excited about it. What you got on your plate? Well, you know, I mean, we got Braves baseball coming up in what, like eight minutes? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Braves Reds getting that series going, that three game series there in the Major League Baseball playoffs set to get underway. Pretty solid pitching matchup here in game one, right? Max Freed going for the Braves against Trevor Bauer of the Reds. Trevor Bauer, he of the 1.73 ERA. This season for the Cincinnati Reds, Freed, of course, 7-0 and in the regular season. And a couple of guys did a little research on this. A couple of L.A. guys in Max Freed and Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer attended UCLA. Max Freed went to high school there in North Hollywood. A couple of sunset strippers, huh? Getting ready to go on the hill in game one of that Braves-Red series coming up here in just a little bit. Obviously, we're going to get into a lot of college football talk. We've got the NBA Finals cranking up tonight, too. How about ESPN right now? You talk about it all happening. Between the Major League Baseball playoffs, between the NBA Finals tonight, you've got college football, you've got the NFL football. You just wrapped up, I guess this wasn't so much ESPN, but the NHL uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Was that Tampa Bay that won that? Yeah, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big Nashville Preds fan. 
Well, at least when the Preds are in the Stanley Cup playoffs anyway. So I'm not exactly uh, up to speed on the rest of that league, but um, plenty to get into for sure. The Pat Riley Invitational, I guess you could call those NBA Finals that get underway tonight. Pat, of course, with his work there with the L.A. Lakers for many, many years now, many, many years with the Miami Heat. LeBron going to get it done with A.D.? Or Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero. How about that rookie from Kentucky for the Miami Heat? Going to be tough. It's going to be a fun series, I think. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board with us on a Wednesday morning, you are more than welcome to do so. Yes, I watched the, quote, debate, end quote, last night. And I also followed that up. How about this for a one-two punch? Ooh, speaking of punches... I watched the debate, and then I transitioned into a first watch, first full watch of Alabama's opponent for the upcoming Saturday, that being, of course, the Texas A&M Aggies. You talk about a rough watch, man. Wasn't a lot of good football played between Vanderbilt and A&M, and you always hear, right? Well, a team takes its biggest step between week one and week two. That better be the case for A&M after what I saw last night. If A&M brings that to Tuscaloosa, I'm not saying it's going to be 2014-like because what was that, 59 to nothing here in 2014 with Blake Sims and that team? I mean, that was just a total, total beatdown. I'm not sure it'll get to that point, um, but A&M's got a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do. You know, that narrative involving Kellen Mond and just being a guy that's not going to be able to get that offense, get that team over the hump, it it got some juice last Saturday night against Vanderbilt. Th- lost three fumbles, Kellen Mond did. back with more Southern Fried Sports right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Kaneka Sausage, a true Southern flavor since 1947 and now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Visit online at KanekaSausage.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama enjoyed having Dylan Moses back on the field Saturday against Missouri after an injury forced him to miss all of the 2019 season. 
Fellow linebacker Christian Harris described what it meant to him to have Moses back on the field. Uh, it was pretty. It was pretty amazing. Um, you know, like I said, I played with Dylan in high school, and it's crazy to see how like he hasn't really changed as a player ever in his life. I mean, Dylan just is relentless. You know, going 100 percent regardless of what's going on. I'll have more in a moment. Our newest partner on the Crimson Tide Sports Network is already an Alabama favorite. Kaneka Sausage is now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Kaneka's tradition of making the finest hickory smoked sausage hasn't changed in over 70 years. Always great for breakfast and now a tailgate grilling tradition. Kaneka Sausage, made in evergreen Alabama and a true southern flavor since 1947. And now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Alabama's game against the Ole Miss Rebels at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium on Saturday, October 10th is scheduled for a 5 p.m. Central kickoff on ESPN, the SEC office announced on Monday. Alabama and Ole Miss will meet for the 68th time in a series that dates back to 1894. The Crimson Tide leads the all-time series 55-10-2, to and Alabama has won the last four meetings between the two schools, including last year's 59-31 victory in Tuscaloosa. And that's your Bama Update, Crimson Tide Today, brought to you by Kaneka Sausage. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports A beautiful afternoon with a sunny sky, Tuscaloosa's high 77. Clear tonight, the low 57. Tomorrow's sunny with a high at 78. And cooler on Friday and Saturday. Beautiful fall weather, lots of sunshine both days. Highs between 70 and 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama. Football. Visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. And yes, we are back with more of a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Fryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you. Managing the technical difficulties that from time to time will come your way. We're good. We got it. We're going to manage it. No problem. Anyway, we were talking about some of the uh, content consumption for yours truly last night between the debate uh, that we had between President Donald Trump and Democratic nominee Joe Biden. You know, poor Chris Wallace trying to mediate that thing, huh? Chris Wallace last night looked like me trying to pick up a blitzing Dylan Moses in the A-gap. Might as well have been me trying to do that. That's that's what it came down to for Chris Wallace. And watching the whole sort of debacle unfold, I just looked at the chocolate lady and I told her, I said, you know, I think that by the end of my lifetime, we're really going to get into a long stretch where we have uh, female presidents. Because, you know, guys, we've had our run, all right? And it was fun while it lasted. But maybe it's about time we, we get the ladies a shot. And I'm not saying just any way. I mean, you know, got to be a solid candidate uh, to, to put in there. But, uh, oof. And then I watched Texas A&M and Vanderbilt doing some analytical work for uh, for BamaOnline.com. And again, boy, A&M's got some ground to cover before they get here on Saturday. Let's go to Lance out in North Port. 
right now on the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio line at 205-342-9904. Lance, do we got you, my friend? All right. Travis, uh, uh, that one of what I was going to speak about was a debate last night, but let me tell you something out of control that when someone has the two minutes to speak, the other person's mic should be cut off. Do you think you think the mics ought to be maybe cut when the other when the other person is trying to speak, Lance? Is that what you're saying? When one person has two minutes to speak, the the other person's mic should be turned off. You know, I can't disagree with that. I would say that you know we would like to think, and I know this is probably naive and in, in, in thinking this that. So that when the rules are presented to the two combatants, I guess you could say, there would be some mutual respect given to the rules. But I, I don't know how. I don't know how realistic that is. You know. Well. So uh, maybe we may we may have to we may have to lean more on technology. I mean, if we're going to do this two more times, Lance, you know, not to turn this into a political show at all, but. Hey, guy, if we're going to do this two more times with these guys, hey, yeah, you're going to have to you're going to have to put some safeguards in place, I guess. Oh man! Oh, it was hurtful. It was hurtful to me to watch that thing. But yeah. I, let me ask you this, Travis: Do you ever have any guests on your program? Yeah, we do. Sure. All right, we're going to have. <laughs> I was going to ask you about Rick Rush. You know, he is a uh, He's a prince not owner in his hometown, really. Uh, and uh, I would like for you to have him on here sometime. But did you realize that he played quarterback in high school and he was the only person high school to defeat uh, Kenny, Kenny Staber at Pope? Oh, wow. <laughs> What high, what high school? Was, I mean, but he's renowned, you know, because of the golf portraits and where he had to go to battle with that for about two or three years or something like that. But anyway, I'd, I'd like for you to get him on and just let him talk about uh, his history and where he is now, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. We'll look into that for sure. Okay. Do you think you might could be able to do that? I think we I think we can, yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely look into getting Rick in uh in on the program. Because uh we absolutely have guests. We got Cecil Hurt coming up in just a little bit. We do that every Wednesday with Cecil. But uh Okay. Yeah, we'll look into that, Lance. All right. Well good All right, Lance. We appreciate the call. There he goes. All right. Thanks a lot. Lance checking in on a Wednesday morning. Lance wants some uh, wants some mic control there in the debates coming up. Um, you know what we've got coming up. Speaking of candidates, uh, we're still in search of this first former Nick Saban assistant to topple their old boss, and this is essentially the entry into four straight weeks of Saban Disciples coming up. You got Jimbo on Saturday. 
You got Lane Kiffin the following Saturday. You got Kirby Smart uh, after Lane gets his shot. And then, of course, Jeremy Pruitt. We're straight. Kind of like the Saban Grand Slam, I guess you could say, coming up. And so a poll that we just dropped on the personal Twitter account, which unfortunately, due to my internet being down totally, I can't even access right now. So I may have to, I may have to ask Joe Gaither for an update on this. Over these next four games against former Saban assistants, which one of these guys has the best chance of actually beating Nick Saban between now and October the 24th? 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolate Tier Studio Line. If you would like to check in on that. I think back in the the off season or the COVID nineteen season, whatever you want to call it, early on anyway, Jimbo Fisher would have got a lot of love in this poll. Not so sure now with all the opt outs, with the performance again, just a lot. Here was the thing about A and M against Vandy that bothered me is that that team, that A&M team last Saturday night didn't look disciplined, didn't look all that coached, to be honest with you. You know, Vanderbilt got a safety in that game Saturday night. Now Vanderbilt got the safety. Vanderbilt's punter launched a rocket from about midfield. Hell of a punt. Well, the Texas A&M punt returner, Anaya Smith, who, by the way, real dynamic playmaker. He is exactly what A&M needs on offense. You're going to see him. He's number zero. He won't be hard to spot. You're going to see him at running back. He actually started ahead of Isaiah Spiller in the game Saturday night uh, against Vanderbilt and gave that offense a little boost there in the first half. Spiller came on in the second half and ripped it up. But Anaya Smith goes about six yards deep into the end zone on a punt, on a punt, and, and is going to run it out. Now, look, I'm not saying if it's Jalen Waddle, I necessarily have a problem with that. It's kind of like a 3-0 fastball. Some guys you let swing, right? Some guys you say take a strike. Well, I, you know, maybe Jalen Waddle, I, I, I wouldn't have. But, but Smith goes halfway into the end zone to catch a punt on the fly, tries to bring it out, and there is a block in the back in the end zone crackback block by an A&M return unit member and because the flag occurred, the penalty occurred in the end zone that's a safety the kind of stuff you see from Jimbo Fisher teams sometimes that make you go wow Uh, is anybody paying much of attention? I think Florida State fans kind of had that same problem with Jimbo there at the end of his tenure there in Tallahassee. We're going to head to another break we come back Cecil Hurt of the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com will join us on a Wednesday edition of Southern Pride Sports presented by Peterbrook Chocolates here, right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Yeah. I'm with this. I'm just gonna sit here and lay back to this nice mellow beat, you know, and drop some smooth lyrics. It's 88. Time to set it straight, you know what I'm saying? And there ain't no half stepping. Word. I'm ready. Rapper stepping to me. 
they want to get some. But I'm the cane, so yo, you know the outcome. I'm not the victory. They can't Back get with me. More so they the edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on 5 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. It's that time on Wednesdays when we like to check in with Cecil Hurt, the sports editor and columnist. Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. Cecil Hurd also. Fresh from Como, Columbia, Missouri. And Cecil, as we bring you on here, based on your timeline, I see you made a barbecue pit stop on that trip up there in Memphis, Tennessee. It tough to uh tough to distance yourself from say central in some of those spots up there, I guess, you know? Absolutely, especially since central, at least at the original location. They've they've been so successful, of course, that they've got uh, several locations around Memphis now, but I always like to go down to Central Avenue, which is where the original was located. And, uh, they give you the alfresco option, dining outside on such a pleasant day, and uh, yeah. you don't have to worry so much about distancing. Um, they, they weren't doing any indoor. They were all outdoor at Central. So um doesn't change the quality of the... Uh, Memphis barbecue. It's tough for some of these places because they become so popular, Cecil, and with that, the the quantity of barbecue that they're asked to produce to meet the demand. There's that uh, fine line, isn't there, between you know what, 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 when you're when you're trying to produce really anything at, at, at that amount and and maintaining the quality, and uh, they I, seem to be able to do that though. I've always thought that the the classic places in Tuscaloosa, and yeah, without pre plugging anybody, everybody knows where they are. You know, one of the one of the great things about ribs, Tuscaloosa, I still take Tuscaloosa for ribs. The dry rubs in Memphis are, you know, it's a different variation that I enjoy. But um, to your point, you know, that there'd be a lot of pressure to cook more, cook faster. So you go to a higher temperature, but you don't want the, the classic places, places that give you that solid rib every time. Uh, they keep doing it the old way and the slow, the slow smoke, the slow cook. Uh, and Central does that they, they, in Memphis. They're, they're slow smoked. Uh, you can really tell. You can really tell it. I, I just had the, the basic pulled pork um, plate and the house chips, but. Uh, you can tell it if you if you I know you've been there. Um, you can tell it on their wings that they really take their time smoking them. They don't rush them up so they can get more wings out faster, uh, and it makes a difference. You said it on the wings. I had the wings at Central on Sunday, and I'll say it: they're not a sponsor of the program, but Archibald has incorporated wings now yeah, to its menu. They are out of this world. Um, <laughs> And here's here's what I appreciate about one or more of the, the local places that you alluded to. I don't mind going in and ordering a slab or two and being told I need to come back in a couple hours, right? Yeah. Because that, that tells me that I'm getting that's, the best of the that's best. The old, that's the old classic Archibald answer. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, need a, I need a rib plate, and instead of saying that'll be $12 or whatever it is, they say, well, you know, that's... That'll be two hours. Three thirty. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you know, I'd rather have that than have them 
throw more wood on the fire, cook hotter, make them dry. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather wait. Yeah. I, I bet a lot of people go there and get a little put off, you know, when they hear that, and instead of thinking of it as that, that, that that's that's good. I'm, I'm going to get the, the best of the best. And, you know, we talk about ribs in large part because we're anticipating a football weekend in Tuscaloosa coming up. And, uh, Cecil, kind of what's your, your expectation of, say, Thursday through Sunday around here with with uh, with the home opener on tap? I, I hope uh, and I think that people will be conscious. You know, the, the last thing you want is, Situation and, and this is controlled by a number of variables, not just a football crowd. Uh, you don't want all the excitement about Texas A&M, which is natural season opening. People have waited a long time. It's something people can feel good about and, and can come to Tuscaloosa. And, and I you know, certainly hope the businesses in Tuscaloosa do well. But you, you don't want to trade off a wild, crazy, you know, do whatever weekend and then not have the Georgia game in two weeks. Um, yeah. You know, don't want that. So I hope everybody can combine um, a good experience. There won't be any tailgating. It, and that was that was really different in Columbia because their stadium is located differently. You know, it's, it's kind of on the edge edge of campus. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine if, if Brian Denny was, was over by TCH, you know, and, and had Highway 82 in the north end zone, you know, and not not it's not really in Columbia. It's not really the stadium's not really in an entertainment part of town or a, a quad pastoral part of campus. Uh, makes for better parking. Makes for you know they got bigger parking lots. That's a plus. But there's not that kind of atmosphere around their stadium when especially. When there's no tailgate, there's no reason to be over there an hour before game time. They filled in, um, you know, came, started coming in 30 minutes, probably from downtown. I didn't go downtown because, um, you know, my job was in the press box. But um, and, and filled in nicely enough. It wasn't anything like it's a little tough for me to judge, <laughs> to judge the atmosphere in Columbia because the other time I've been to a football game, it literally rained four and a half inches. So uh, people will remember that game. There was a postponement right before. A, 2012, a, yeah. In 2012, it poured down, right? Poured. So there was no atmosphere for that other than watching the Alabama guys do the slide on the turf. You know? yeah. um, so I think that they probably do have a pretty good game day atmosphere when all things being equal, but I just have never been there when all things have been equal. Uh, but Tuscaloosa is different. You know, you can the, the quad's beautiful. The weather's going to be cool and fallish, and and you can walk to to if you're thirsty and need a beverage, you can walk and get that um, over on the strip. Um, even to, if you're a, you don't mind a little walk, you can do it from downtown. You know, so so it's a different. Um, sort of setting, and people are excited. I think that that's good. But again, I, I hope that they can do that with an understanding that this is still an ongoing process. What did you think of this football team on the field? Uh, did it sort of meet what your 
what you envisioned, or did you go into it not, you know, even with Nick Saban overseeing yeah. the operation, not entirely sure what to expect to begin with? Well, you know, always some uncertainty. Uh, you never know what you're seeing. I, I just heard Jeremy Pruitt on the uh, SEC teleconference say Missouri kind of dominated the second half, and I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know who Jeremy's playing this weekend, so you understand where that where that comes from. They, they certainly didn't dominate the first half. And he gets Mizzou and Knoxville this weekend. So, and yeah, absolutely, we know where Jeremy. I mean, that's that's typical coaching. I'm not taking a shot at Jeremy. I'm just saying a different perspective for, from different times. Um, Alabama played well enough in the first half that the outcome was decided at halftime. There, there wasn't any question about that. That if if Alabama had to have come out and scored more points in the second half, it certainly could have. Um, the guys that you expected to do well, Najee, Jalen Waddle. Um, did well. It was it, two things. I thought Mac was very poised, played, played a really efficient game with enough highlight throws, a touchdown pass to to Waddle, and and you know getting by. He took he took one really hard shot, got back up, didn't get rattled. So I thought what you saw from Mac was good, and and for all the talk of of Dylan Moses's rehab, it was just good to see him out there. And mobility, to side to side, and, and I think he just makes a, a difference in the personality of the defense. And I think it made a difference in the second half when he wasn't out there. Evan Neal, who's okay, he's not injured, but you know had to be helped off, and he actually came back for a little while in the second half. But um, yeah, I think when once those guys, once Mac was out, once Dylan was out, once Evan was out. It's, it's a different team. And those guys, the younger players have still have need some experience. They didn't have a spring, for one thing. And didn't have a normal fall. So it's going to be an adjustment period. And I think that was true across the SEC, from what I could tell. We talked about Will Anderson and the growing expectations for that true freshman going into the Missouri game. Uh, I guess those won't be shrinking anytime soon after what we saw Saturday night from him. Doesn't look like, um, you know, physically he obviously was a problem for Missouri in his first collegiate game. So, uh, yeah, the next, the next in a long line at a position where Alabama needed uh, impact player like that, and somebody that can get to the passer. Um, I thought the front seven played pretty well, and, and the secondary too. Although they're they're clearly late in the game, there are a couple of butts in the secondary. The wheel route, the wheel route will get you every time. That yeah, wheel route, man. <laughs> you got to watch that. It's undefeated, I would say. Bobby uh, Petrino special. It'll get you every time, man. Dial dial it up, and it worked for Missouri. <laughs> so. And and that's that's part of the growing process. So. Um. Again, how A and M will play. I, my guess, and of course they were go, going on at the same time as Alabama's night game, and um, so I didn't get to see it. Uh, I didn't get to see any of it. They, they got locked into one of those things, one of those games with Vanderbilt, where Vanderbilt's tough, and scrappy, and and 
you you don't get a if you get them lead on them, it's hard for them to, to generate enough points. But if you're just going to stand there and sort of try and toe-to-toe and wear them down, uh, you can win that way. They have certain limitations. But they're they're not an easy out if you play that pace and so forth. And the one thing I noticed looking at the statistics is statistics can be very misleading, as we know. But uh, Kellen Mond was not as effective as he needs to be throwing the ball down the field. I think I saw a stat that, that on passes of 15 yards or more, he was 7 for 20. And, you know, that's Damn. not going to get it done. That's not going to get it done. Their top <laughs> vertical threat right now is probably a tight end. Yeah. Yeah, their top receiver opted out. And so yeah. they're, that changed things for them, I admit. And, We'll see. You know, it'll be a different atmosphere and a different. Uh, it's not that they A&M doesn't have potential playmakers. Um, so, so who knows? I don't anticipate it. <laughs> I don't quite anticipate it being like uh, 2012 when the Johnny Football Roadshow rolled in. But we'll see. Might be more like 2014 if that A&M rolls in here. Um, but. <laughs> You know, Mond is he, the guy catches so much heat, and some of it's justifiable. I've been on that train at times in the past, but I think we touched on it. You know, with Jamon Osmond opting out, uh, they are very much tight end, running back, quarterback centric, and so unless they have some guys sort of magically evolve here over the next four or five days on the outside, uh, you know, Alabama's going to be able to put a lot of its focus and numbers there right there in the sort of that area, that, that A&M offense. Hey, Cecil, for Alabama from the late third quarter and in, in, in through the fourth quarter, how how big of a benefit is it to be able to get your depth that type of playing time against an SEC opponent? Because you got to think that's going to be tougher this year, right? Because you don't have oh. the bye games on the schedule. To be able to do that was, I thought, a real plus for Alabama. I thought, I thought going into this game, listening to a lot of people, um, various outlets and so forth, I thought somehow the, the thinking evolved that Missouri was just New Mexico State, you know, that it was going to be that kind of game. And they're not. You know, they've got SEC-quality guys at a lot of spots. They're high SEC-quality. Their front seven's good. I thought they were. Um, so, so it's not the same thing, and that's you know, sorry, New Mexico State, but I'm gonna I'm gonna use you as an example. Um, and playing time against that team, particularly when it was they were trying, you know, they had their first teamers in, they're trying to score in the second half, and mm-hmm. that kind of experience you don't always get um, in a regular season. And again, it's it's different than than New Mexico State's worn down guys. At the end, um, you you can make a mistake and get away with it. Uh, not so much against Missouri. And so Nick Saban um, on the SEC teleconference today, he grumbled a little bit about the second half. But I have to think he, he sort of liked having some of those reps on film and then having some, uh, to use the phrase, teachable moments to, that came out of that game. And with that, Cecil, we have the Disciple Tour 2020 
getting ready to crank up with Jimbo Fisher, Lane Kiffin, Kirby Smart, Jeremy Pruitt in succession there over the next four games. Maybe we should get some concert tees printed up for that. What do you think? <laughs> um, uh, what what do you kind of envision for this stretch when it comes to those guys and where they sort of have their respective programs at this point? Well, I, first of all, I think one week is a small sample size, and we do know a lot more than we knew before they played at all. But uh, it's it still – I wouldn't say that any of those four teams surprised me other than maybe the quarterback situation in Georgia. Um, in, in the first week, uh, they've got you know A&M's got a capable team. Uh, they they all Lane Lane's just starting out. You know, it's a little bit different situation for Lane. Um, but even against Florida, I, I thought they were a little bit outmanned. But Lane dialed some things up and made some things work offensively, and that's not going to be an easy trip to Oxford for Alabama's defense. Um, and you know Lane will be fired up for it. You know he'll have every every trick in the book, um, including the turnover bagman. Which oh was, gosh, <laughs> which has to have been the classic moment of uh, of sideline antifreeze so far in the SEC. Uh, one thing I'll say about Jeremy, and that that game's pretty far down the road, is. They do good. They do some good things. They have some good players, but when you get on a win streak like they're on, and I thought this made a difference on Saturday, from what I could tell, they're just kind of confident that they'll win. And I thought South Carolina's not as confident that they're going to win. Um, so, so I, I think Jeremy's got that going, and that, that Tennessee fans they kind of believe in themselves, and Tennessee players believe. And that's a credit to, to Jeremy that they, you know, they, they hadn't been great wins, but they, they came from a, they, they looked terrible in the bowl game the first three quarters, and they found a way to win. They didn't look great against South Carolina, but they found a way to win. So um, probably a good year not to have the 105,000 in Nayland, to be frank. Um, but I think the first concern is see, see how Alabama does, how self-motivated they are against A&M, how they perform against A&M. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that. You're right. I think that South Carolina-Tennessee game was sort of a culture gauge, right, for where those programs are at. And, and Tennessee has. In this seven-game winning streak, they've won a lot of those kind of games like they won Saturday night, including the bowl game, even against Indiana there at the Gator Bowl. Yeah. Uh, okay. to cap the Similar game. Yeah, and uh, Warren Tano, I guess, is good enough not to get beat out. Um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. You know, they're they're slow. I don't think they're they're putting the cart ahead of the horse. But if um, if Auburn can beat Georgia in Athens, which has been hard for them to do, it's been it's amazing how. People, people focus on Alabama and Auburn, um, but since, since Cam left Auburn, and really even before that, other than his one season, Georgia's pretty well dominant. I think they're 12-3 and three against Auburn in the last 15 games. 
What is it? Gus is Gus is zero six, I think, in Athens and Tuscaloosa. Yeah, in yeah, those I two think games. That's right, and and uh, I don't know when they'll. I don't know what Georgia's situation is going to be at quarterback. I don't know when Auburn will have a better opportunity to go in there yep. and get one. So that that's going to be the along with Alabama. That's that's a that's a good game to have Saturday night to watch. But if, if Auburn wins it. Georgia really looks like they're faltering two weeks in. Uh, Tennessee's going to be looking at that game coming up and saying, you know, we can do this too now. And and if we do, then why not talk about us a little bit? So, uh, again, looking forward there in the Disciple Tour. But uh, <laughs> Jimbo's got his own set of <laughs> issues. He's okay. You know, he's, he's got a $75 million cushion that he sits on. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see. At some point, though, A&M, they, they need a marquee win. And it's kind of up to Alabama to, to make sure it doesn't happen here on Saturday. So, Cecil, I know we've had just one game, but we got to do this as we overreact uh, following week one. Uh, given what we saw last Saturday, team most likely to be this year's LSU, Florida or Mississippi State, Cecil, with KJ Costello. Uh, State's going to be a problem for everybody. I, I don't think State can go ten and zero. Um, Florida could go ten and zero to Atlanta. They they, they certainly could. Um, so, so from that standpoint, to answer your question, I'd say Florida State, and, and this first of all, Mississippi State is much better has a much better roster than he ever had at Washington, just geogra- geographically alone accounts for that. He's got better athletes, but he, he didn't have Talent Hill at Washington State. Um, didn't have some of the dudes they have on defense at Washington State, so. It's not going to be the, the talent's not going to necessarily dictate this, but but yeah, you know, and the era gives them a chance against anybody. I'm talking, you know, coming to Tuscaloosa, going to obviously going to Baton Rouge, anybody else that they play. Uh, but it it also can be a little bit of a double edged sword that I don't know that you're going to execute it to perfection. Um, Every time for ten weeks, and somebody may just outscore you. You know, um, that, that's possible. They, they got to stop Alabama too. You know, they got to stop Auburn too. So those will be interesting challenges. Um, but it, it's Florida, though. I'm not sure right now if you looked in Vegas that Florida wouldn't be projected to be 10-0 and and going to Atlanta to play whoever yeah. wants to win. And based largely on quarterback play alone from what we saw on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, and they have other guys. Yeah, they, and pretty, pretty, pretty decent team. Uh, need to be better defensively than they were in Oxford, but I give Lane some credit for that. So who do you like in Athens Saturday night? Do you like Georgia to keep that thing that's going there against season. Auburn? Or? That's been a hard one because of the history that I just talked about. Um, 
I got to I got to follow the Auburn game fairly closely because it was an early game, and they looked good. I thought, you know, I, I know there was the controversy at the end of the first half, uh, but I thought Auburn looked good. They're, they're, I, again, they'll never have a better opportunity to go to Athens and get one. Um, so it, it may be time for them. So perfect year to have that game week two. Yeah. So, so I'm probably this would be a slight lean. This is not something to go out and bet the pink flip on by any stretch of the imagination. But I might be leaning toward Auburn a little bit in that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A noted lean we've got there. Hey Cecil, I know you asked uh, you asked Nick Saban this morning on the teleconference about <laughs> the impact of not being able to have visitors on campus for games um i guess i guess we're just going to have a dead period throughout the the season is that that's what it's looking like right now i guess and again people people try and project and and at one point it was oh yeah this will even what that does particularly with the december signing period who that's an advantage for are your brand names it's going to be Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, um, Georgia, LSU, Michigan. Yeah, that they because it's less chance of a player. So let's say there's a there's a five star in Birmingham, you know, which there is, but we're not talking specifically about an individual. But let's say, yeah, he's he's not going to necessarily get that relationship with. Tennessee or Ole Miss that could overcome the power of the brand name. So um, I, I, it's, it's not going to hurt Alabama. Uh, it probably frustrates Nick Saban a little bit, not because he likes recruiting, but and, and because you a fair amount of your players on campus and, and the work that you do is on juniors. And sophomores these days, um, and, and that might be a, a little bit of a detriment. But um, your, your brand names in recruiting are not going to get hurt by this. It's going to be the same as it ever was. And speaking of recruiting, as we let you go here, Cecil, Nate Oates picks up a four-star wing out of the Atlanta area. You know, Cecil, I can envision a time where the team photo at Alabama is going to be pretty much all six six guys uh, <laughs> at Alabama. It seems like uh, most of these guys that that Nate and his staff are going for with the style of play that they want to play are long, athletic, can shoot the three and play a little defense. I guess. Yeah, you know what it's all evolving into, Travis, and in the bigger picture, and this is NBA too, is the. Uh, from from maybe ten or twelve years ago, it's the Serbian national team. Yeah, six eight guys who shoot three, and and yeah, at the NBA level, there's a couple of them are seven one guys that can do it. But unbelievable, yeah. People are playing international style. That's really what it is. Mm-hmm. That's really what what a lot of it is. Is international. It's just the that international ball has, has taken over and what, what we would, in football terms, consider the old three yards and cloud of dust, Woody Hayes, 
Coach Bryant um, version of basketball, which was find you find you a Shaq or a you know, Carl Malone or somebody, Stephen Barkley to an extent, you know, put that butt down on the block and, and throw it in there to him. Kareem, you know, I don't see that anymore. No. I don't see it. Even, even Anthony Davis, who's the, the best big in the world, I think, is as a big, as a five. Yeah, he'll he'll range out. He'll shoot a three. He'll, he can he can handle, and you know it's just. And then you start looking at guys like Doncic and Jokic and players like that. It's it's Durant when he comes back. Durant when he comes back. It's just a different game. It's just mm-hmm. a different game. I don't know what. I don't know what Wilt would say if he could see it. <laughs> <laughs> Will would say, I'd still get my hundred. Will might, go, That's what Will would Will say. might just go out there and dunk on everybody anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Cecil, as always, we appreciate the time, my friend. Sure. Glad to talk to you. Thanks, Cecil. There you go. Cecil heard of the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. Jason Holt, the four-star wing that is committed to Alabama for the 2021 cycle. Back to put a wrap on a Wednesday edition of Southern Pride Sports right after this. A beautiful afternoon with a sunny sky. Tuscaloosa's high 77. Clear tonight, the low 57. Tomorrow's sunny with a high at 78. Then cooler on Friday and Saturday. Beautiful fall weather. Lots of sunshine both days. Highs between 70 and 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Thank you for listening to 